Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about vocation and ministry and faith here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby. And I am Josh Hawk. And today we're here with a, a friend, someone we just met a couple of months ago named Gus Kroll. Thanks for coming on, Gus. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Gus, tell me, um, what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for breakfast, <laughs> I had uh, puffins, uh, pumpkin square things. It came off the clearance rack at Fred Meyer. Nice. And a cup of coffee. How about you, David? <laughs> I had nothing for breakfast. I, I, I came right here, and I'm on my second cup of coffee that oh. I stole from you. So. I'm on my first cup of coffee with no food, so that there we go. <laughs> nice, we're warmed gonna... by Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yep. We're, we're going to be a mess by the end of this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Gus, uh, tell us a little about uh, what you do here in Portland, because I, I think we're going to get to some fascinating places here. Yeah. So, uh, I work for a. Te- I, I am one of three, four, I suppose now. Uh, co-leaders at a small church without a building called Home PDX. Um, church in the loosest sense of the word. Um, so we do gatherings that happen with folks who are living outside or marginally housed, um, mostly in the south downtown core of Portland. Um, we do a meal that happens every Sunday, has happened, I think we're on year 13, Teen, um, on, next to the Hawthorne Bridge, wow. um, and we do a youth drop-in space that's been going for about six years, seven years now, um, and then we do burritos in the park, we meet up at a chili lunch that happens each week at uh, St. Stephen's Episcopal. We use that kind of as our uh, networking time. I always tell folks, if you think about like your college professor who had that one hour a week where you knew that you could find them in their office to talk through <laughs> whatever th- thing you needed help with, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the time. Um, you can find me at St. Stephen's Episcopal every Tuesday at 11.45. And the reason that I think that's really important, mm. it's one of the my favorite things that we do is uh, one, I'm not in charge of the meal, um, which I think is important. Like it's important to have spaces where uh, we interact with people uh, on a level that is not uh, you as the person behind the counter and me as the schlock who has Mm -hmm. to eat the food. Um, But we both show up and sometimes, I love you St. Stevens. (laughs) But there has been some really, really bad food. Um, there have been times where the food has been awful, and there's something really great about showing up and us all suffering through this bad food. terrible food. Like, and I mean, like, it's not consistently yeah. bad. Like, it's really, really pretty great most of the time. Yeah. There was one time a couple of summers ago where someone decided that. Uh, ketchup and bologna sandwiches was a good idea. Nice. And mm. so... Breakfast with champions, right? Oh, there. man. <laughs> it was rough. I, I showed up after a few of my friends had already <laughs> gotten there and had discovered what awaited us. 
and <laughs> they sit down and they are all are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got this big grin on their face. And <laughs> so I take a bite of this sandwich. And it's just like, oh, this, no, no, this is an abomination, you know? <laughs> wow. And I look over and I see my friend Rusty sit down pull out this sandwich and just like and I'm like no <laughs> just in time for him to like take a bite and it's just like <laughs> but uh, that that said like I think it's important for us to kind of eat the meal together because again so often what ends up happening is there are a lot of these like soup kitchens bread lines the mission, whatever, where it's like uh, the people who need the food, the guests, in yeah, yeah. quote, and then the hosts, yeah. you know, the people who are serving the food and kind of never the twain shall meet. There's two different tracks yeah. and we walk in and as soon as we walk in, we know like who falls into what category. Yeah. And like we think about like any other place with, with the exception of like the hospitality industry, hospitality in quotes. Um, there, when we talk about guests and hosts, like we don't use the language this way. Mm-hmm. Like if Josh invites me over to his house, you yeah. know, like I come over as the guest at his place, like, it's like, oh man, like I should come up with a way to invite Josh over to my place. Or maybe we should grab beers, you know, like I should find a way to somehow be the host myself. Reciprocate, yeah. yeah. There's some sort of reciprocal, like... There's no time where people who are like, you know, in the tents next to the 405 are like, you know what? Kevin at St. Stephen's, he's a really good guy. I should invite him back to my tent for, you know, some mad dog 2020. <laughs> like, that's not that's not happening. Right. And so finding like this space where it's like, all right, how do we I mean, one, I think the the language of like guest and host ends up being disingenuous and in some ways reinforces like the gross inequality yeah, yeah there's has. power at play yeah there. it all um so let's let's talk to this just for a moment because i've been part of groups i went to a, a christian college and uh, of course at christian colleges there tend to be Almost universally, I feel like um, forced volunteer hours. Say it isn't so. Yeah, right. And <laughs> and they they say okay, you know, every semester you have to have fifteen to twenty volunteer hours or something like that. And so so we would do these things like go to Portland and mm-hmm. and work at a soup kitchen or whatever. And almost every time there there was this thing where we would be the hosts. We would, we would do the serving and whatnot. And you know, you gotta start somewhere when you're learning. Um, uh, but there was, there was always this thing where we had way too many people. And so we would do some serving. And then once everyone had their food, they would say, okay, go sit down and talk with people. And, and it always felt not only forced, but, um, like you'd you'd sit down and and want to talk and it was it 
I don't I don't know another word to say other than it felt wrong. Like like we like it was still trying to be us manipulating the whole moment. Sure. I, maybe I mean, can you can you talk to that a bit? Does that I mean, it's is that we we go back and forth with this one. Okay. Um the, and I don't I don't feel like there's a great single answer. Um Where do I start? Um So we have we we have teams that join us on a regular basis. Um so our Sunday gathering for example, we we work on a bi-monthly schedule where we have different groups that come join us um providing the food. So uh last week was who was it this last week? Um I think it was uh uh the 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 Oregon community um the from the Oregon Public House. Okay. Um so they came and joined us. They brought pizza. And so like once pizza's done, we encourage folks to like, you know, get to know people and but I mean they're coming back once every other month. Yeah. So I mean like if folks are coming back on a regular basis, like eventually like you're developing relationships with a couple of folks. Like it's not it's not gonna be like super tight. Sure. Like you're only seeing folks once every two months. Yeah, but you're recognizing people. Yeah, you're recognizing people. There's like a you're 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 a little bit of an acquaintance. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's it's not buddy buddy. You're not gonna be sharing your life story or anything. But I mean like there's you know, how did that thing go? Like you were filling in an yeah. application here or you had this thing that you were working on. Like, how did that work out? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean that that's it at its best. Um, I think the, the worst part is in some ways, and I, I don't know what to do about this is, when we have the group that comes from the school and they come once. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was us. And that group comes once and next week it's a different school and next week it's, you know, some other group and the week after that it's a different group. And so in some ways we, you know, the burden ends up being put on the folks who come to our spaces, you know, and are like, man, I got to show y'all around here. You know, I, I get trotted out like the, you know, the prize winning pony or whatever to walk you through what it is that happens here. You know, I, I in some ways have to share like a little piece of my life story that already isn't, you know, something that gives me pride and joy and whatever. Um, or maybe it does like, but I think, I think it, for many of our folks, it ends up being a harder thing. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah, agree. That's hard. I, I think I've done some work with because people matter, the group and they do night strike every Thursday night. And I, mean, I like they, night strike. They, they do a couple of things, but they, 
I was reading some stats or, or talking to the director there recently, and she was telling me just the sheer volunteer hours and the number yep. of volunteers over the last decade or so that they've had. And it's, it's astronomical, you know, and, and it's, it's not, I, in many ways, it's, it's more difficult. And for them, they've actually taken, that's kind of been one of their ministries is the volunteer engagement. And so that's something kind of completely different. But then with Night Strike, they have a core team that, that is there every Thursday night that is building real relationships. And um, I don't, David, we've had conversations. I can't remember which episode it was, but where we talked about where I felt a little bit like marginalized or felt like we in North Portland are kind of, quote unquote, the Mexico, you know, for missions trips, you know, and um, and this this tension that I, I feel personally with suburbs, with yeah. us, the suburbs like coming in and helping us poor ur- ur- urban folk and getting to a point where, like, you know, that might be somewhat disingenuous, but but for them, it's real and it's part of their journey, too. And, sure. and having to having to, I guess, live with that tension a little bit. Um, and and I, I suppose, I suppose the thing that the, the thing that I really appreciate when we have like really fantastic volunteers, um, the, the best volunteers we have, um, are asking questions around the work that we do, hmm. um, and are then saying like, give, give me a task and let me and manage just- it myself. So, so like what needs to happen is chairs get set up. It's yeah. Like, boom. Like that thing is a thing that like nobody, like nobody's like, wants to here's, do, yeah, here's or, the big award yeah. for chair setter upper, you know, <laughs> goes to Gary. Yeah. Gary, come up and claim your, right. <laughs> you know, your Oscar. Like n- that's not happening. Nobody's like, yeah. oh, the coffee got made. Um, but I mean like at the same time when I'm not having to make the coffee, when my other like regulars aren't having to make the coffee and the coffee is still getting made in a way that's like not garbage. Yeah. Right. Like that's That's a help. Um, when the chairs are getting set up and like at the same time, nobody's scuffing the floor. And so I'm not getting in trouble with the folks at the church. Like, woohoo. Um, and so I mean like I, I would say, the the best volunteers come in with with an idea of like I'm gonna do the stuff that nobody wants to, to do. do. Um, I'm gonna wash a lot of dishes. Yeah, um, and I, I'm gonna be gone next week, and so yep. you know, like put put me to doing something yep. behind the scenes. And so here's an underlying theme that maybe we can kind of talk about that I'm sensing. It's this idea of us and them. Um, And, you know, David, we talked about this a little bit with our depression episode where you mentioned when people start to talk about depression, usually it's when they write books and things, it's because they're from the boat now throwing a life preserver out. And it's a difference. And this is what I I think the beauty of of the gospel and, and Jesus and the incarnation is that Jesus came out of the boat, you know, and that Jesus lived um, amongst us. God became man like us. And he didn't, he didn't just, you know, send his messenger, you know, or throw us a life preserver. Um, but he walked amongst us. And so I, I think there's a point that, um, you know, in, 
and this is probably challenges maybe volunteers or people who, who just show up, you know, kind of one off. There's still that that idea of us and them that we have to to wrestle with, and and how do we kind of break that down? I guess realize that man, we're all on this journey together. Well, and I think I think that so there's a couple of things, and I'm a bit of a tangent. Um, the uh, so the two things I. I think are worth remembering um, in this in this particular work is like most of America is like a couple of small steps yeah, away from right. ending up on the street. Yeah, like if you think about so I mean uh, last year I uh, went to a work party and I ended up pulling. Oh, I suppose this would have been two years ago. I ended up pulling a muscle in my chest and like had like woke up the next morning with like some pretty severe chest pain and ended up going into the hospital. Like, I'm like, am I dying? Like, am I having a heart attack? Yeah. Like I'm 34 years old. Like I'm having a heart attack and they, you know, did the x-ray and the blood test and all that stuff and the E, you know, walking into the ER costs money. Like, you know, you walk yeah. in the door, look around and walk out and that's like three grand, right. you know? Um, and so like all told, it was like $8,000 and I had like the, and I still do have some of the worst insurance. Like it is catastrophic care only. And so like it starts at like, eight yeah. and a half grand. Yeah. And yeah. so they were covering none of it. Yeah. And the only reason that like we ended up not having to pay it was uh, Adventist, the hospital we went through, we filled out a form and they ended up forgiving the entire thing. Wow. Like, which like I have never met anyone who has had that happen. Yeah. Um, but but all that is to say, like, and I mean, like, we we wouldn't have been homeless. Like, we wouldn't have been, like, out on our ear. Like, but, like, that, like, I mean, it would have been meant, like, yeah, a significant yeah. hit. But, like, the amount of people in the U.S. who have assets that they could quickly liquidate to pay off eight grand, like, is a tiny, tiny, tiny percent of the population. And so like I think about, and that like we were pregnant at the time, like it, it was not a great situation to be in. And so like, I think it's worth remembering like the, the distance between the person in the tent and the person outside, you know, the person outside and the volunteer. Um, And that's, that's, easier for some people to do than others. Um, like I think it might be harder for our, you know, volunteers who live up on, up in the West Hills, um, than it is the folks who live in my neighborhood, um, down in deep Southeast or maybe here in St. John's. Uh, so, I mean, there's that component. The other component, like, I always want to hit on when we talk about the incarnation mm-hmm. um, is, and this 
blew my mind. One of these things that kind of the big theological uh, uh, ideas that I've run across in the last maybe ever. Um, <laughs> but I mean, at least in the last 10 years um, was there's this theologian out of uh, Australia named Robert Miles okay. um, who wrote a book called um, The Homeless Jesus and the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and so he's just looking at the gospel of Matthew. He's like, pretend like, and there are a few other people who have done projects kind of like this. Uh, Ched Myers is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, strong man. Mm-hmm, yeah. He did it on the book of Mark. Um, and so miles is doing this on, uh, Matthew where he's like, all right, pretend like you are some of the first hearers of this which means you've never heard of the other gospels. Yeah. Mm. Like John doesn't exist. Mark, who's that? Like Luke, Luke hasn't even been written yet. (laughs) Like all we're talking about is Matthew. So we have this one text that we're looking at. So everything that we know about Jesus is self-contained within this. And because Matthew, our author or whatever their name was, isn't an idiot like it's a self-contained story. Like there's a plot arc, like everything that's that we need to know is within it. It's kind of like watching a TV show. If I sit down and watch the wire, you know, one of my favorite shows ever, like everything I need to know about the setting and characters and all that is self-contained within, you know, season one. And so he's like, what if this is true? This is true about the gospels. Like, so we have the book of Matthew. Sometimes when we look at Jesus within the gospel of Matthew, we end up seeing Jesus, uh, the inheritor of Joseph and son carpentry LLC. (laughs) And we see, you know, James and John, proprietors of, you know, Zebedee son, Zebedee and sons fishing. They've got a boat. Yeah. And so like we, we see these guys as like thoroughly middle-class folks. Yeah. Um, Instead, he argues that uh, what we should be seeing is Joseph as a, you know, the immigrant day laborer. And, you know, uh, 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 the Zebedee brothers as these kind of like by the seat of their pants, heavily taxed, like this is poverty wages. Sure, they work for themselves, but only like the most subsistence, like barely scraping by. So when they opt out, like it's not a I'm stepping down into poverty. Mm. It's I'm walking away from this the, this way of making a living that's just gonna like end up killing me. Mm. Like wow. it's so so like when there's the story about uh, the man who's like you know I I'm too proud to beg and I'm too uh, you know I'm not strong enough to dig ditches. Like it's oh. Like either one of these things will kill me. Mm. And so when Jesus and James and John and, 
you know, Peter are walking away. What they're walking away from is, you know, death by subsistence poverty. Uh, and so like, that's a very different narrative yeah. than the narrative that has Jesus being like, I'm middle-class dude and I'm coming down here to save y'all poor folk. Yeah. You know? And so at least for me, like this has been like coming across this idea, like really transforms like what is the nature of following Jesus? particularly as me, a middle-class white dude, like because the, the direction, like before I could imagine Jesus being like me. I, I could imagine that there is a clear pathway set in front of me that says like, this is what you should do. And now it's like, Oh no. Like, these these characters that show up in the gospels like Levi the tax collector and the rich young ruler which are both Luke they're not Matthew um I think Levi maybe shows up in Matthew anyway it doesn't matter um like these guys who are like giving away everything and like you know they they got the shirt on their back maybe um these guys seem much more Hmm. like the the you know, the path, you know, the options available to me, you know, as a middle-class homeowner, um, then the, well, I'll just follow Jesus and, you know, yeah, whatever, whatever that means. Like I only, I I have a harder time wrestling with what that means. Right. So how's that then that insight? Cause that's fascinating. Then, um, impacted your life and your work? Um, I think I have a lot less things to offer my folks living on the street. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not the expert, um, in some ways. And I thought about this on the, the bus ride over here was like, Oh shoot. I didn't bring my friends with me to do this interview. Oh, right. Yeah. Like I kind of screwed up. Um, well, we got a lot of time. I mean, we can do this it's again. True. Fair, <laughs> again. Fair enough. Um, yeah. but I mean like in some ways, like I, I, I really, really want to avoid ever being like the expert, the guy who knows the thing about homelessness. Like, I don't know a thing. Like I I'm live just like one month away from <laughs> yeah, homelessness. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but, but I mean like that's a big, that, that 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 like line yeah. like is a big line like having like central air yeah. in yeah. my house yeah at like the especially end of the day, you go home to a place with walls yeah 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 well and and i mean like it's it's not just like the house mm-hmm. like my friends who live at hazelnut grove which is one of the couple of like semi-sanctioned uh uh villages tent cities here in town i mean it's all tiny houses at this point um but the city leaves them alone kind of um yeah uh they they still have four walls some of them have heaters like they you know some of them now have like solar and stuff like that like there's still a component of like they don't own their land like the, the, and I mean, like, I suppose, I suppose this is 
this is another thing I kind of want to talk about is like what marginally ho- housed looks like. Yeah. Like this idea of like, it's not just folks who are living outside, but I mean, and Miles, uh, the, the theologian I was talking about earlier, um, he talks about this too of like homelessness being not just living outside, but also being like people who have like insecurity having like this thing of like at any point, like everything, all of the security that I've developed for myself could be gone like that. Mm. And so I think for me in some ways, like that's, that's the thing that is hardest or, or or at least from the outside. um, It seems like that is one of the things that is hardest to deal with or could be hardest to deal with is this idea of like, I finally found, you know, a doorway where I can sleep in, you know, consistently and get like six hours of sleep a night. Mm -hmm. Like, thank God it's gone. Like, you know, the, the property gets sold or the cops notice me or whatever. Um, suddenly that's gone. Like that little overhang that, that was keeping the rain off of me was this little piece of security that kept me, you know, safe and healthy and all that. Like that being gone at any moment. And there's like no, there's no like light at the end of the tunnel where it's like, all I have to do is make it through the next month and this will be over. And like, that that doesn't exist. And I think there are plenty of folks who like you, you look at like the housing crisis in general in uh, here in Portland, the U S in general, like if, if I'm suddenly, you know, renting and I see a, you know, 40%, you know, increase, or I think here in Portland, it's limited to 30%. Uh, uh, Which in a is go. still considerable. Yeah, like <laughs> if I suddenly see a thirty percent, you know, increase in my rent, and I'm on a fixed, you know, income, or I'm working hourly, and my boss cuts my hours, like where is that coming from? You know, that kind of, that kind of like almost housing insecurity, that that violence that comes from that. Mm. like has got to be at least for me it seems like the thing that's the hardest i've kind of wondered about that too we've um so i at my church there's been a number of people in the past like four years who've moved away because their rent's gone up and i've i've thought about like they've they've had to do so and it was hard for them but there's enough of a of a of a safety net that they have to be able to move moving's expensive yeah on its own if you're living a hundred percent like <coughs> paycheck to paycheck you've yeah. you've there there is no wiggle room if you can't pay an advanced rent y- you can't just move unless you unless you've got a network of people who are gonna throw money at you right yeah i mean so what happens then you're screwed right i i'm like that that's that um that's that thin line that yeah. moves you from mm-hmm. 
uh, moves you into. And I mean, it can. It can. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, and then we don't know what to do either. I, and I think of like missing one month of mortgage or one month rent. Right. You miss one. Like you're screwed for a long time, you yeah. know. Um, but th- the reality is um, that there are resources available, you know, to you know to forgive that or to to help you. Like we got in a tight spot a number of years ago, and realized, oh, like just called the bank and and was able to to work it out and pay it off over time rather than yeah. always being a month behind. Um, but that is that's crippling. As soon as you yeah. get behind, like you're, you, you're done for yeah. for quite a while. Um, it's hard to catch back up. Yeah. Um. So we've, I mean, we've been talking kind of theoretically. Let's uh, let's go into some of your. I guess some of the work that you do and um, more like how um, maybe how you've changed. I don't know. How long have you been with Home PDX? Uh, so I started with Home PDX would have been four and a half years ago as a volunteer. Okay. Um, I was the stay-at-home parent of a single nine-month-old and was like, I want a conversation with an adult about anything that is not related to Diapers. this small, tiny human yeah. that I am taking yeah. care of. And so my my friend Luke, Luke Sumner, uh, who's now uh, pastor of a church up in Everett, was doing what I'm doing now, and he was like, Hey, you could come down to St. Stephen's at 1145 on Tuesday. You know, we got a chili lunch. I'm not sure if that's your thing. I was like, what time? I will be there with bells on. See you there. Do I need to bring anything other than the tiny human? All right. Bye. (laughs) You know, like I and so I headed down to St. Stephen's and it was like a month, two months later, Luke and his wife, Rebecca, we're like, we are getting a job with the Disciples of Christ, and we're going to be starting a church up in Everett. See ya! <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, they were leaving in, uh, I think it was, they left in December. And so October, like, I mean, Luke was like, I'm not sure where we're going to find somebody who's willing to like fundraise their position and work these like wacky hours and, you know, occasionally get yelled at because the soup sucked. <laughs> and, or, or they put ketchup on yeah, the bologna yeah, sandwich. Yeah, ketchup on the bologna sandwich. Yeah. And... And, you know, like also have a similar philosophy of the work because like I said, you know, there's, there's plenty of groups who are willing, like who don't see a problem with having that like separation between like the guests and the hosts, like some, some organizations, I mean, I've spent the last, 
at this point, uh, 11 years working in a variety of different social work contexts. I worked in a group home with adults with developmental disabilities. I worked with uh, a group home with foster kids. Um, like, I've been around the block. Um, there are plenty of places where, like, it's company policy that, like, you don't make friends with people. Mm. These aren't your friends. Like, these are the customers, mm. these are the clients. Mm. Like, you need to maintain a, prof like, a certain level of professionalism. And, I mean, part of that is to prevent burnout. Like, it's, it's really, really hard uh, watching someone die. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and if you have a uh, personal connection to that person, yeah. like, that's hard. Um, and like having worked those other jobs, it, it goes like that sword cuts both ways. Um, I saw plenty of clients at previous jobs who got really attached to a, uh, a particular staff. And then that staff member leaves for a job that actually pays them like they're a real human being. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, <clears throat> so they leave and suddenly like that client is broken mm. like because yeah. mom and dad don't visit or whatever. Um, I actually, I went to a small side note. I went to this conference up in Seattle um, when I was working at one of these group homes and uh, it, it was a, the, the, oh, what is it they call it? It's the Parish Collective's uh, uh, okay. thing up there. I can't remember what it's called. Um, anyway, um, so it's this big conference of like church-related folks, and there's this guy who's got a name tag, and his last name is one of my client's names, and he's just like the spitting image of the dude. Mm. And I'm... Like, I know this guy, like, I've been working with this guy for, like, four years at this point, and he has never once had a single, like, family visit. Like, I know he's got family up in the Seattle area, oh, like, man. and I'm putting pieces together. But because, like, of, uh, you know, there's all sorts of, like, confidentiality stuff, like, I can't grab the guy by the collar and say, like, your brother or whatever, you know, would really like a visit, you turd. Yeah. <laughs> like... But I mean, like that's totally like what I was feeling at that moment. And so I think at least for me, like it's being at home PDX, the thing that I really enjoy, the thing that I need personally is like, I, I can't do the job. And I mean, this job is in some ways broken me. Um, I can't do the job where I'm, like maintain the professional distance anymore where it's like, I see that you're hurting right now, but I need to keep you at arm's length because that would just be appropriate. Mm -hmm. Like it wouldn't be appropriate for me to give you a hug as you're like laying on the ground sobbing. Right. Like, and so I don't remember where I was going with that. I don't remember what the question was. You were talking I'm terrible about, about getting this. involved uh, with, <laughs> home PDX and yeah. how Luke was wanting you to yeah, so, not have a job. Well, no, yeah, Luke was, or, Luke was saying like, I don't know where we're going to find this person who would be willing to do all these things. And I was 
uh, over here. Huh. I will take that crappy pay that I have to beg and plead people for. Yeah. <laughs> because I have to fundraise my own salary right. and work these wacky hours with people who are hurting a lot of the time. And I mean, again, it, we, we have this philosophy of the work that is very much around uh, meeting people and being with people like in the midst of what they're going through as opposed to like keeping them yeah, at an arm's yeah. distance. That's mm-hmm. like, you'll be sad if I leave and go to a different job in six months, which is also true. And I've seen that and people were, re- and there were some people who like after Luke left and you can totally edit this out. were like Fuck Luke, like sure. he's an asshole for leaving. Yeah. 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 Like I can't believe that another one of these people came in and they said that they cared about me and then they left. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I, because I, I, I don't think to. Luke should feel bad no. about leaving. He's still doing the same work right. up in Everett. He's doing amazing work up there. Yeah. And, but at the same time, like there are so, f- so often there are so few people who are kind of pouring into the folks yeah. that we meet downtown. Um, we had another, we had another staff member who ended up leaving after a family tragedy. Um, like, like he didn't have a choice. Like he just had to go and like it was like no notice. And we had this one guy who like hadn't been showing up for like six months and then all of a sudden reappears and he's like, Hey, where'd he go? And it's like, you know, and so I tell him the story. He's like, that guy. Wow. And it's just like, man, like I get what you're saying. Like I get that there's like all this pain that, you have so few people who like care about you. Yeah. That like that that sympathizing with this other guy's pain who's just lost this family member, like that it's easier to just like distance yourself from yeah. that. Yeah. To be yeah. like, nope, nope, he's a jerk for leaving. Instead of being like, man, he he's going through something that 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 I care about. Like it's just easier to be like, nope, nope, cutting him out. Right. So it's interesting that you bring that up, and I think really really helpful that you bring that up. I um, you can totally edit out all the swearing. No, that's fine. Um, I mean, we might. I don't know. We'll (laughs) talk about it. But I. if we quote it, it's okay, right? You're right, right. <laughs> quoting somebody else. Um, no, but the um, it, I, there's no nice way to say. Um, there are a, a lot of Christians who just have like a very specific view of people who are homeless, and mm-hmm. um, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty messed up, and um, and often it's that they. Um, are always on drugs or not working hard enough or in this case are are just jerks and mean and don't put themselves together but when your reaction is a coping mechanism or or a like a way to distance yourself in order to protect yourself like that's not that's not mean that's that's yeah. that's self-care in that way which i would say the same is true about almost everyone who's on drugs. Sure. Like, 
man, like, and I mean, like I, I, I have this conversation with, with folks who are, uh, uh, like I have this conversation with some of our folks who are our regulars too. Like people who are like, Oh, those tweakers. Sure. I'm like, wait, you mean people who are choosing to use, to use drugs as a way of coping with their reality. Mm. Like there are people who are saying like, man, my life is not great right now. Like sleeping under the Morrison bridge when, you know, like when it's wet out and it's one of the only places to, uh, sleep that's dry, which by the way, uh, one of the adjacent neighbors just put in like these like big pots to make it harder to actually sleep in. I saw that. Yeah. I saw yeah. that. I think Steve Kimes put up yep. pictures of that. Yep. There, yeah, that's crazy. But, but I mean like, so I mean that's, that's like one of the only dry spaces that's fairly secluded in downtown and somebody puts up these big pots like, all right, if that's the best option for places for me to sleep that's dry in downtown, like, man, I'm looking for a way to escape. Mm -hmm. Like, and maybe, like, maybe meth at that moment Mm -hmm. is, like, the best, cheapest, easiest way to escape. Like, I'm not saying I'm looking to go out and get high, like I'm not saying it's great for people, right. like, but I'm also saying that like, if tomorrow, like, if my wife and kids are suddenly out of the picture, like they get hit by a bus, mm-hmm. like, ah, um, and my house burns down on the same day, um, cool, uh, I know what drug I'm going to be. Imbibing, um, it's not going to be meth, but I really like beer. Mm. Right. Like, and like, I also recognize within myself, you know, when things go really, really poorly, that sometimes my choices around how I imbibe are not always healthy. Like, sometimes I make poor decisions and I have one too many. Sure. Like, and and so I think when people when we recognize that people are in this position where whatever their story, like there's potentially this humongous amount of pain yeah. that they say, you know what, like I just can't deal on this level. Like I don't have the support network, I don't have the plug in drugs. Like we're talking on a podcast right now. Yeah, Everybody yeah. Everybody, literally yeah. everyone who is listening to this has access to like this little electrical device that shoots dopamine into your brain yep. yeah. and is like, feel good, feel good, feel good. Like, like if, if I can, you can get arrested here in Portland for theft of services, um, for plugging your phone into a public outlet. Like, do you know how much it costs to charge a cell phone for an entire year? Hmm. A quarter. <laughs> My cell phone yeah. Yeah. takes 25 cents 
worth of electricity a year to charge it for a year, but I can get arrested for theft of services Mm. by plugging it in and charging it. That means that when uh, uh, the police officer is arresting me, like the city is choosing to spend money, like more money than I'm stealing. Like I'm stealing, even if I charge up the entire phone, like I have stolen quote unquote, a fraction of a penny and they are spending their police officers time. They are spending the judge's time or the DA or whoever, like the clerk who has to file my paperwork. They're spending their time. The fact that the courtroom where I might get arraigned has to turn on the lights. They're spending more money turning on the lights than I have actually taken. Mm. And so like the fact that we have access to these plug-in drugs without harassment, without Mm -hmm. uh, uh, potentially going to jail over this kind of thing, like the fact that you and I don't have the stresses that come with like, is my tent going to leak? Do I have a tent? Like, All of these things, I mean, means it's a lot, I think it's a lot easier for me to find healthy coping mechanisms than it is to be like, you know what, like the bottle seems like a really great option right now. Mm. Yeah. So interesting. I I think it still comes back to that, that us and them, that you and me, that I think there's a lot of individualism. I think that's probably the biggest downfall of, of our capitalistic society. Um, I, I had a, an experience recently where I walked into the Apple store and I coveted everything in there, you know, that happens all the time. But for me, the odd thing was when I I saw the phone and I'm like, oh, I want that phone. And then realized that I, I had that phone and (laughs) that was a real low point for me, you know, of like, oh my gosh, I am so carnal. (laughs) But like, I, I tell that story and it's, and it's, it's kind of cute and funny and, and but somebody told me oh yeah but it's not one of the big 10 sins i'm like no actually it is <laughs> like, i just broke is. one of the 10 commandments in that you know and and but we 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 have this hierarchy you know it's like oh well if if you're doing meth that like that's horrible but you know if i have a beer now and then you know yeah. or have a shot of whiskey that that's a little bit more acceptable i'm like oh like let let's like level the playing field and realize, man, we're all humans and we're all in this together and yeah. none of us are better than anybody else, you know? And, and I, I really want to, like, I want to, I, I hope that no one hears this and is like, oh, this Gus guy thinks he's got it all figured out. So I, I went into the liquor store the other day and uh, fun joke, what do you say to the Baptists you see in the liquor store? <laughs> <laughs> nothing (laughs) (laughs) right Um, yeah i i I think i heard a twist of that where like um uh you can tell the difference between a methodist and a baptist because methodists will say hi to each other in the (laughs) liquor store (laughs) um so um i i was in this liquor store the other day and uh picking up some stuff to improve the eggnog and uh also was grabbing a bottle of vodka to make uh, 
uh, we make our own vanilla. And so you get like, you know, throw your back out, reaching down to grab that low shelf <laughs> vodka. Um, and so I end up grabbing the biggest bottle and uh, the guy next to me like looks like, I mean, I, I don't know his housing status. Like it's not my business, uh, but he looks like he's had a really hard life. Um, and he grabs the exact same bottle. And for some reason, like I'm judging him. Hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm going to finish off. Like, I mean, not, not today, but I mean like that, the rest of the bottle that doesn't go in the jar that's making the vanilla, like it's going to get finished off. Like people will be enjoying imbibing it around my house. Like that's, that's not going to be a problem. Like, so why am I judging him? Yeah. Like, and I mean, like I do this professionally. Like if, if he shows up, you know, three sheets to the wind to one of our meals, like I'm going to do my best to treat him like, you know, like any of our other folks, you know, like he's a person who matters. Like he's got a story, you know, and you know what? Like there are things that he's probably really, really great at that. He's smart at that. He knows shit that I don't like there, there, there are folks who I meet outside who have ingenious ways of creating shelter out of like, next to nothing. And it's like, if I end up outside with the things that you've just created, like a wind resistant shelter out of, like I am in trouble. Yeah. Like, especially this time of year. Yeah. What's interesting is you say that people always talk about, um, the big one. Like if a big, big earthquake ever hit Portland, uh, we're all, we're all toast. Yeah. Um, wouldn't wouldn't that flip society altogether? Because oh, yeah. those would be oh, the yeah. people that we'd seek out to uh, to then build. They're they're in some ways like in a position to like help the rest of us figure out how to make it the next couple of months. Right. But I also think we're still screwed. Yeah. Um, because we we aren't interested in listening to those people. Um, so like right now, um, though though I mean maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I saw just the other day um, a piece that was uh, about the California Union of the Homeless, which I should totally plug this. I totally want to talk about this. Uh, we sh- uh, Maybe we should circle back to it. But the Union of the Homeless is one of the coolest ideas yeah. I have ever seen. Uh, the National Union of the Homeless, which ran in the 80s, into the early nineties kind of fizzled out in the middle, um, was homeless people organizing homeless people. They did a bunch of really amazing things, kind of forcing, uh, cities to kind of take them seriously. Like it's easy to ignore, like with any union, it's easy to ignore one person. Like it's a lot harder to ignore a whole bunch of people who are speaking with one voice. Like, um, anyway, 
So the California Union of the Homeless, which is a group of people who are trying to kind of revive the uh, Union of the Homeless idea. They're based out of uh, Salinas uh, down in, uh, I think it's Monterey County. And so it's the Salinas and Monterey County Union of the Homeless. But there's also a growing uh, California Union of the Homeless. Mm -hmm. There's also one in uh, a couple in New York State and uh, uh, in the Carolinas. Um, anyway, so there's this, uh, there was the big campfire, um, earlier, you know, late, late last year, late 2018, um, thousands of people suddenly without shelter. Mm. And so you have these people, you have these tent cities that are popping up in like Walmart parking lots. Mm. Um, the California Union of the Homeless is going around organizing, you know, in Walmart parking lots. Wow. And in some ways, like, bringing in, like, these people who, like, you know, a month ago might have, like, never looked twice, you know, at a homeless person is, like, and these folks are kind of welcoming them in, mm. sharing resources, helping them understand, like, some of the new landscape that they live in, you know, and, and I mean, I assume that some of those folks, you know, have house insurance and in time will, you know, be back into a new house. Um, but like it's, it's neat to see them early on, you know, using this time Mm -hmm. to organize you know, across like a large group of people. Be cool if something like that. Like, I mean, is it? I assume it's only in California. That, so that's right, right, right now, I, I, I kind of every couple of days I search Twitter to see like where the most recent one has, like, where the most recent uh, uh, mention of like a variety of different terms mm-hmm. has shown up. Um, the ones that I can find, uh, there's one in, uh, there's two, there, there's a few in the Carolinas, the big one being in Greensboro. Um, um, there is, uh, two in New York, one in Rochester, um, one in New York city. And then there's the California state one. Um, there has also been, over the last 10 years since, uh, uh, I mean, I suppose at this point, 20 years since the national union of the homeless fizzled out. Um, there has been one in Boston. There was one in, I want to say like Madison, Wisconsin, somewhere in the Midwest. I, I forget exactly where. Um, but I mean, there's been a half a dozen sure. kind of that have popped up here and there, but I mean, there also there there are other there are other groups that do similar work, like even if not using a uh, union model, mm-hmm. like kind of a modified union model, um, like here. And so some people have talked about them as, and there are a number of like really great academic papers that I could point folks toward um, that uh, are around social movements. 
which is a different thing, like maybe a bigger umbrella. Um, like I think here locally uh, uh, about right to survive, mm. um, which is the folks who organize uh, 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 right to dream too, which is one of the other tent cities here in town. Um, and yeah, there's, I, I can give you all, all sorts of articles to put in the show notes if you want. Right. But That's great. It's, it's a big, yeah, deep rabbit hole that I've fallen <laughs> down over the last year. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Uh, well, um, if you could send us that, yeah. that'd be good for further reading for our people. Um, huh. That's good. That's it, uh, just narrowing that divide. I think you know, yeah. and and again, realizing I don't. I I think in my own journey, you know, like I we we. We want to achieve. We we want to do something. We we push towards some goal, and inevitably we we do that by stepping on other people. Sure. Um, and ev- whether it's it's distancing ourselves, you know, saying like, oh well, I'm not as bad as that person, you know, or you know, like I may not use drugs or alcohol as a vice, you know, yeah. but man, I love my coffee or I binge watch Netflix, you know, or I like, we all have our own addictions and our vices. That, Black Mirror is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and so I think there comes a point or there needs to come a point in, in our own transformational journey um, where we, we recognize that we don't have it figured out, you know, where, where we don't have all the answers. And, and I just, uh, this last year has been a, a journey for me of really realizing that. And I think I'm going to get it. My new tagline is that I can't fix it. Um, and for so much of my life, I have, I have been known as the guy who could f- fix anything, you know, and I'm kind of a jack of all trades and, and, but really coming face to face with that reality that, man, I, I am not as good as I thought I was. And, and I think it's only at that point when we experience a, a real brokenness that we can experience God's grace and God's great love for us um, that then enables us and empowers us to truly love others the way that Jesus showed us. Um, and I think, I think getting to that point, like it's important, uh, whether it's looking at like the, the, the homeless unions or whatever it, or or going back to the conversation we were having about like Jesus actually being poor yeah um, is this it's important to remember to listen to the folks who yeah. are most impacted yeah. by yeah. a thing yeah and, and to treat them not not me as the expert on homelessness yeah. like I'm not I'm a guy who like hangs out with a lot of people yeah. who, know, who are the real experts but I think saying like, who are the people who are most impacted by X, whatever the thing right, is. Right. Um, you know, you had, you had DL Mayfield on, like she's not the expert on refugees. Right. Like she's the person who, you know, hangs out with a lot of refugees. Yeah. Like, and so I think when, when I'm at my best, I don't want to speak for DL, but you know, I would imagine she would feel similarly that when any of us are at our best, like we are being a megaphone, like for the people who are most impacted by 
the thing that we work with. So, I mean, yep. when, when I am at my best, I am parroting, like I'm, you know, the parrot, caca, saying the thing that I've heard from sure. my folks yeah. downtown. Right. And that's, that's why I really like the homeless unions. Yeah. Because it, it's it, homeless people organizing homeless people. And so when I talk about them, I am saying, here's what homeless people have done for themselves. Yeah. Y'all don't need me to fix this. Yeah. We need, you know, organizations that have, you know, the people who are most impacted at the decision-making table yeah. and with, you know, at least a finger on uh, the, the purse. Mm -hmm. Like they need like some control over the money. Oh, hmm. uh, okay. Like yeah. it, if, if we just have them at the table, but they don't have control over some of the, uh, where the funds go, like, like what's the point? Yeah. Right. We'll listen to you, but at the end of the day, we yeah. we get to make we control it. the yeah. funds, yeah. we control it's, the resources. It's, it's yeah, it's the power. Like we know what's best for you, you yeah. know. And um, wow. So um, uh, as we wrap up, because uh, we're um, we're getting to the end of our show right now. Um, what uh, since we since most of our listeners, I would imagine. Um are you know have a decent safety net or are um in a, like i mean at the end of the day whoever's listening to this has one of those devices <laughs> that's fully charged <laughs> like let's be real here um yeah. what uh would you want them to know or what might you encourage them to uh to do as maybe a first step toward um uh toward changing their mind on um or 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 maybe opening up their understanding of uh, what I, what homeless people might be going through i think uh one, one of the first things that i'd like to see is uh get connected with a local organization that uh works around relationship like if you're here in portland like i'd I'd love to get connected with you. These guys can point you in my direction. Um, if you know, and there's, there's like half a dozen others, you know, you mentioned night strike, there's operation night watch, there's street roots, uh, yeah. our local, uh, paper. Yeah, right um, now there's the village coalition. Yeah. The, the village area. coalition. There's, you know, there's right to survive, which I mentioned sisters of the road. There's so many, organizations they're doing really really great work that don't hold people away at like arm's length um find one of those organizations if you need help doing that like i'm part of this really really loosely held together uh coalition of street ministers etc um that works nationally um and so like sometimes it's just like a, I can send out an email and be like, I need to know something in this city. Who should I be talking to? Um, and so like, if you need help getting connected to the thing in your area, I might know someone who knows someone who knows someone that can get you connected to someone who's doing 
decent work in your area. Um, the other thing is, um, I mean, honestly, and I, the younger version of myself would be so aghast at hearing me say this. Like, <laughs> it's about the money. Mm. Like, mm. like listening to something like this, and I, I tell folks this when I show up at uh, churches, is that uh, I, I want the, the plate to go around. Because people sitting in pews, nodding, like giving me their like intellectual assent to the ideas that I've stated, like that doesn't put coats on the backs of my friends. It doesn't like put food in their stomach. And it doesn't, when, when they say I need a thing, like I, I can't take those like nods in pews mm. to the bank to like make that thing happen right now we're we're trying to figure out how to actually uh put one of our friends on the payroll um mm. and so she's going to be working part-time quarter time we're still trying to figure that out um like i can't pay her salary which is yeah. going to be meager already like with nods like with people who like it on Facebook. Um, that's great. Like, I'm glad this might be changing your mind, but like resources matter in the end of the day. And, and like some of the folks who are listening to this aren't going to have the money. Like, but there are resources you do have. Yeah. Like getting involved. Um, oh, oh, another one. Never, ever, ever. Give another thing to goodwill. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. You can look up the trade war that the U.S. is in with Rwanda right now. If you want to know about where your clothing ends up, like it doesn't end up helping. It. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, in any case, don't give your clothes like as and don't give it to a local clothing closet. Find someone who actually does direct work and gives it away um, to mm-hmm. folks who need it. And don't give them your trash. Like mm-hmm. don't give them your garbage. If it's garbage, throw it away. Mm-hmm. Like find a way to recycle it. Like don't give them your trash because you're just creating work for another volunteer mm-hmm. who could be making the coffee. Mm. who could be putting up chairs. And that kind of brings me to like my third thing, which is like, you might have, you might not have the coat to give. You might not have the cash to give, like show up and be a regular, Mm. get to know people like be that person who shows up bi monthly Mm. and is like, how did that application go? Like how did, you know, whatever, And like, maybe you don't even have, like, maybe you work two jobs, you do whatever, like find a way to do that in some way. One one of the easiest ways that I tell people here in Portland, I mentioned we have a street paper is I tell folks buy the paper each week. It's a dollar. Um, Buy it from the same person Mm. and spend three minutes talking with that person. Mm. Um, and the reason I say three minutes is if I spend four, if I spend 10, 
like I'm now impeding that person's livelihood. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's buying a paper from them if I'm sitting there yammering. And so I want to develop a relationship and the goal should be get to the point where you could ask this person out for coffee as a friend, as an equal in like a month. Mm. Like maybe that thing never happens, but if you, if you put that person in this box in your head of this is a person I'd like to have coffee with, like y'all have that person at work. Like y'all have that person that you know at church who's like, man, they're so cool. I'd really like to get to know them better. Like just put that person selling, you know, the street roots into that box. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's so good. A few things that I have. Three, three minutes is such a good amount of time too, because like you, you have to get past the, how's it going? Uh, kind of talk you have to you have to talk for a certain amount of time and you have to actually engage um and you can't you can't use the same thing every week right like (laughs) i can't be like how about them timbers (laughs) right right (laughs) what you don't watch the timbers (laughs) yeah so, so I mean, like, and if you're if you're bad at small talk, you have a I'm week. so terrible at it. If, if you're I'm bad so at small bad. talk, you have a week to come up with a couple of questions. <laughs> like, it, so, so it's yep. good. Yep. It's good. Um, I think I think that getting involved is is the like just such a great thing. When you when you told that story about the bologna and ketchup sandwich, I thought. I mean, first of all, gross, but second, like, oh, it was so what, a, bad. It was what, a, <laughs> what a holy moment though. What a, like you're a shared experience that, um, that remains that like bound the three of you, um, in, in a pretty messed up way. I mean, you're not like, <laughs> but, but the relationship deepened You're yeah. y'all are closer. And those, those are the moments that, um, that really end up changing things. It happens, um, you know, in, in all kinds of relationships, uh, you, you look back on the, um, the pretty messed up times with some of your closest friends and you're like, that was the moment that our relationship deepened. And I think, um, I, I keep telling folks that, uh, my line of work is one of, and I mean, I've been saying this again for 10 years, like having worked through a variety of different kind of social work adjacent positions. Um, that's kind of the social work world is, uh, missing the half hour comedy. <laughs> like, ah, that's true. like scrubs <laughs> is to hospitals. What I need for social oh, work. Sure. Yeah. Like the bologna and ketchup sandwich is totally that interaction. Yeah. The interaction, you know, like the guy mm. who I, I worked with a guy with developmental disabilities who got poop in my hair and it took me an hour <laughs> till we got to a point where I could like, I need to go to the bathroom <laughs> because I have poop in my hair <laughs> and coworkers oh, were like, yeah. yeah, you should go get that taken care of. Wow. And so like think, but I, the, the reason I bring that up is like, these are interactions which, and I think this is really important where these are interactions with like normal human interaction yeah. Yeah. and interactions where it's like, Oh, that's funny. And that's fun. 
and these are like people interacting on a very human level instead of like nobody watches scrubs and it's like that guy's in the hospital Hmm. right hospital gross (laughs) like that's not a thing and so like i i think it's such a shame that we don't have you know some sort Hmm. of half hour comedy Hmm. that's the you know like humanizing and and really finding the joy and humor in these like awkward and sometimes gross and situations. Yeah. Well, if there's a, if there's any aspiring screenwriters who are listening yeah. to this and I'd want love to, get in to touch talk, with you, um, <laughs> where can people find you? Are you on Twitter? Well, Facebook? they can find him at 1145 on yeah, Tuesday. 1145 at St. Stephen's Episcopal. <laughs> that's true. Those are your office hours. <laughs> yep. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm, uh, Gus underscore Kroll. Um, you can also find me. I, I run the, uh, at home PDX Twitter account. You can find me, uh, on Facebook, which is more my personal account. Um, or you can follow us at, um, on Facebook at home PDX. Um, we also have a website, uh, homepdx.net. Don't laugh at us. We we just got rid of our Dogecoin logo at the bottom. <laughs> so nice. it's been a while since <laughs> that website got the love and attention it needed. I, I can promise you you are not the only ministry with an <laughs> insanely dated website. I went I went to like when we were when I got hired at our church, we didn't have a website four years ago. And I was oh, like, man. okay, thing one <laughs> is we're going to have one. And so I started researching uh, websites in North Portland, and I'm going to tick off some people who are listening. I won't call out specifics, but there was one. Gary. There, <laughs> Gary. I don't think there's a Gary here. I don't um, either. There was, Gary, uh, Gary's my name. Gary's for, the name. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, or Becky, Sorry, those are the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, there was one website whose listed pastor was two pastors ago oh, and I was like, yikes. And, and then there were some that talked about like, um, things that were happening in the early two thousands, like events coming up. And I thought, how, how have we gone 10 years <laughs> without uh, someone... The scary part is they could have Justin Timberlake themed like karaoke parties in both That's of true. those time frames. That's true. That's true. <laughs> like uh. the youth group could possibly be having Justin Timberlake karaoke yeah. things in both of those. It's funny. And and in the 90s, he kind of has a... I mean, he never goes away, but he kind of has a big <laughs> resurgence every 10 years or so, doesn't he? Um uh, and then, the and then solo, and now his. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so well, in all confession, we don't have a website. <laughs> We've had some good ones, but it's I thought you did have a website. No, the church doesn't. Oh, um, oh, oh, I, I meant the podcast. All right, the, yeah, yeah, we, we I have one yeah. personally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's better not to have a site than have a bad site. You're that's, wrong. That's my philosophy. That's uh, what I'm going with. Well, <laughs> occasionally, occasionally we have donors who find us through uh, 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 our website. Though it's it's really frustrating to me that our most popular blog post 
is one I wrote about a trip mm. up to Aberdeen mm. um, where I visited some friends who do similar work to what I do. Our, our most popular blog post <laughs> is about one Aberdeen. about <laughs> stuff that isn't actually happening here in Portland <laughs> oh, man. that isn't actually directly related to like our very specific <laughs> rooted work here in Portland Ugh. drives me bananas. Have, have you at your worst times thought I'm pulling it down? Oh, I've been, I've very, very close <laughs> yeah. on a number of occasions, yeah. but it still drives people to our website. It's and true. I don't always know where the ones who right. like click through to the donor link is. And so I'm like, Oh, What's yeah. the worst that could happen? Well, if the end result gets people there, cool. Like. Yeah, and <laughs> and I mean, like the blog post points to, like I said, my my friends who are doing work up in Aberdeen. Yeah. So, all right, Some good stuff. Oh yep. gosh, this was amazing. And uh, yeah, if you're David, just for the record, too, I think you did say we were ending like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I, I, all right, as we wrap up, I like, know um, you are a pastor. And I'm a, I'm <laughs> such a pastor. <laughs> I don't know. He could like be a musician, <laughs> you know, like encore, encore. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, Twenty well, minutes later, <laughs> if you're if you're game, we should have you back on sometime with uh, one of your friends or, yeah. or a couple. We've got a bunch of channels here, so we can uh, we can have multiple people on. But uh, bonus yeah, this was, episode. Yeah, this was fantastic. Thanks so much for coming here. Yeah, yeah. And for the Unsuccess Podcast, I'm David, and I am Josh, and we'll see you next time.